think I first uh, met you, I was at a London Broncos game quite a few years ago. You were sitting just in front of the press box and you said, that's my son playing. And uh, I drive here um, every home game uh, from Wales um, to, to watch him play. Um, that's Elliot Keir, of course. Um, how do we, tell us the, about your journey from, I, I guess, being a proud dad and supporting y- your son to now being the CEO of, of, of Wales Rugby League. I enjoyed Rugby League more than, than I was uh, Rugby Union and, and started to help out a little bit because of my background with uh, some of the corporate stuff in terms of brokering some deals for sponsorship around the World Cup in 2013. Um, and then I was asked if I'd get involved with the board and I wasn't sure if I was a conflict of interest or not. Um, I spoke to John, John Keir, head coach, and he said, you know, no, of course it's not. And I started to get involved then, more involved at the beginning part of last year. And then um, we lost the CEO and the general manager in a short space of time. And I was able, I was between contracts. And so I was able to step in at short notice. And, uh, you know, it, it, it perhaps doesn't, uh, it perhaps doesn't pay me the type of money that I would normally get in, in, in other jobs. But, you know, it's a vocation really. So I said I would do it for a short period of time. And then I ended up applying for the job. and going through the interview process with Sport Wales and and, uh, and getting it. And so here I am sort of uh, 18 months on. And what do you, what, what did you find your biggest sort of challenges were when you, when you took up the job, Gareth? Were they the things you thought they'd be or were there some, a few surprises in there? It's a good question. I think, you know, I've always been on the outside kind of looking in and if I'm honest, um, I think there were things that I saw that were going on with our national governing body. Um, you know, I've been around it for 10 or 11 years now watching Elliot play international rugby league and there were things that I thought perhaps weren't right. Um, and, you know, we have, a, we have a very strong chairman in Brian Juliff, you know, obviously he was a legend in, in, in Halifax and Wigan and I knew that he'd been doing a lot to try and change things. Um, so when I came into it, you know, a year ago, last March, um, there was a lot to be done. Um, a hell of a lot to be done, to be honest with you. I mean, when I came into it, we had problems with our funding with, with Sport Wales that had been withheld. We didn't have a kit contract. Um, we only had four match officials in Wales. Um, and, you know, the thing was was, was actually needed a lot of uh, not a lot of work. And, and the analogy I always use is like inheriting a house from a, an old um, relative um, that's been lived in for a number of years and you get there and you, and you think, well, this needs a bit of decorating. So you take a bit of wallpaper off and all of a sudden you find a bit of dry rot and a bit of wet rot. <laughs> that leads to something else. But fun, fun, fundamentally, you know, the house has got great foundations and that is certainly the case for, for Wales Rugby League. So, uh, no, it was a bit of a baptism of fire at the start, to be honest. Um, and I guess one of the key issues that... Um you know, the home nations have to deal with, and, and, and I guess plenty of nations around the world outside of the top three, um, is availability of players uh, for internationals um, and getting them released from your clubs and also that sort of balance between heritage players and and um, and guys who, who currently live there or currently play uh, in, in Wales and guys, I guess, in your case, guys who actually, um, you know, they're not grandparents, actually from Wales, have got an accent, um, was that something that you already went into the job with a strong view on how that should work, or have you developed your view on the job of, of those issues? Um, no, I had a very strong view about that. You know, uh, I'm a proud Welshman, and you know, I'm born and bred in, in Cardiff, and, and so are both my sons. And I think that 
you know, um, we, we look upon um, our nationality as a very, we're very proud of it. And mm. I think that, and that's the same for Lloyd White and Gil Dudson and Regan Grace and Ben Flower and Reese Williams and, you know, uh, Rodri, you know, the, all, mm. all, all those boys are proud Welshmen. So I think that, um, you know, that's why we're trying to grow the game. But of course, you know, when you go in the game, um, there are people that, you know, are heritage players because, you know, their, their parents or grandparents were, were born in Wales. And we've got some great heritage players as well, you know, in terms of Josh Ralph and we've had Tyson Frizzell in, in, in the past. And there's a couple a couple that we're looking at at the moment. But you're right, the balance has got to be right. You know, we're proud of the fact that 70% of our players who are in our international squads and, and certainly on our game day 17s are born and bred in Wales. Mm. Um, and that's really important to us. But we don't want to disadvantage anybody just because their parents decided to move or grandparents decided to move. And actually... You know, when Josh Ralph played for us, I, I met his grandfather and his father. And his grandfather was from my steg, um, and they're proud of the Welsh heritage, and that's really important to us. We don't want people to play for Wales just because they had some daffodils at the bottom. <laughs> we want people to play for Wales because they identify with who we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so are you disappointed that um, the World Cup next year is entirely in England? Um, did you hope at one point that there might be some games in Wales? Yeah, well, obviously, you know, the 2013 World Cup was was England and Wales, um, and uh, I think that was an opportunity missed. I think for for Wales Rugby League, um, that could have been a brilliant uh, springboard for us, but uh, we f- we failed to perform as well as we should have um, on the field. I mean, don't get me wrong, Italy were a strong side, Cook Islands were a strong side, you know, so. Um, you know, we we had some we had some difficult games and and, and you know and, and USA as well, but um, uh, not really. I think I mean what I would say is John Dutton and his team have done an absolutely tremendous job in in establishing the World Cup and the way that they're promoting it and the way that they're building it. Um, I think it's absolutely brilliant. And, you know, we we I think it's going to be the best sporting event for a long time anywhere in the world. So we're really looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, and and so next year. It'll, the squad that played in the um, in in the qualifiers that will be pretty much the squad you take into the World Cup. Or I have you are you have you been approached by some heritage players that maybe we haven't associated with the team until now? Um, John Keir is a, is a tremendous coach, <laughs> and the one thing he's built for us is the culture. And and yet, and yes, so the bulk of our team is going to be the players that we work with and who are loyal to, to Wales Rugby League um, and us as a nation. Um, and we're actually, it's, in terms of our cycle of building the team, we've got a really excellent mix. You know, we've got um, people like Elliot and Reese Williams and Rodri who've been around, you know, around the World Cup. This will, this will hopefully be their third World Cup, so they've been around it for a long time. And then we've got an excellent blend of, of younger players coming through. So the, the mix is really good for us. Uh, and of course, there's a, a couple of uh, heritage players. We already have Josh Ralph, uh, and there's one or two other heritage players that, that we're looking at um, to, to bolster that side. But you know, in the cycle of where we are building towards World Cup, I know John and his staff are very confident in what we got. And, and I'm looking in, you know, as a governing body, we're really happy where we are. Yeah, I remember um, when you qualified for the World Cup. It was my job to hand out that flag that said we're all going to England for the photos, and. Um, the boys are saying, yeah, we're all going to England, oh, yeah. like, in, we're all going to England in about half an hour, actually. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I, wonder, I wondered if um, you could tell me a little bit about some of the recent activity 
the sort of uh, that's happened where, where Welsh Rugby League has been in the news a little bit. The Ronda Outlaws are taking part in the Euro 13s. Um, where do you sit on that? All that I, I, I saw you were a little bit sceptical initially about the the rugby. The sorry, the uh, Euro 13s. Um, but you're retweeting their stuff now, and they're retweeting your stuff. So, where does all that kind of um, sit at the moment, uh, Gareth? Well, yeah. Just to start, let's be clear. You know, the, the one thing that we're all about is developing rugby league. Yeah? Mm. Let's you know, be unequivocal about that. We want to develop the sport, and um, I think the idea of a, a club competition in Europe is a, is a great notion and a great idea. Um, you know, but obviously you know, we're a governing body, and we work closely with the RFL, and we work closely with the, the RLEF and the International Rugby League. So. Um, when, when, when the year of 13 came along, um, we didn't know much about it. Uh, and to be honest you, we still don't know a lot about it. Um, so from a governing body point of view, we, we're neutral as far as that, that competition is concerned. But, you know, I, I remember him back, um, even though I'm old, I can still remember what it's like to play rugby. And I can imagine that for teams who want to play and have an opportunity to play abroad and perhaps in, play in Spain, that, 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 that's quite exciting and very attractive. So... Uh, you know our teams are acting as as free agents, and and we we, we have a watching brief to see how it goes. And uh, you know I think that uh, if it works well, then brilliant. I mean it's brilliant for the sport and brilliant for everybody. And um, there's also been an, a, a, at least one new club launched in the last week or so. Is that right? Is it Aberavon Fighting Irish? Is that what they're called? Yeah. So um, Aberavon Fighting Irish. You know actually they they were involved a number of years ago, and they had a real strong um, tradition then. Um, and, and things in, in Wales uh, are really vibrant at the moment. You know, I think that this year we were, before COVID came along, we were we were launching a, a four-club uh, women's competition uh, to com- complement the men's competition. So they, those games are going to be played, men and women's, on a double header to make it a family day on, on Saturdays and then our junior games on a, on a Sunday. Um, Aber Valley Wolves are a side that come through as a junior side and now they're looking to, to run... Uh, men and women's at open age so actually next year we should have at least two Aber Valley Wolves who are, already have a junior section but we'll have a open age section of men and women and Aber Avon and you know they've got a great pedigree down there sort of um, Christopher Callahan and, and his brothers uh, they know the game inside out and uh, I've had quite a few conversations with them they're really supportive of what we're trying to do they, they believe in um, the values of being inclusive and diversity and equality so as opposed to just running a, a men's open age side you know the, they're committed to doing running women's as well and a junior section um, and we're working very hard to get wheelchair teams attached to all of our community clubs so yeah great to see Aber having fighting Irish and they're really busy on, on social media which is really good to see and um, really keen to see those games for next year well, when will rugby league in Wales resume, Gareth? Is it what's the situation with regard to lockdown and COVID nineteen and all that? Um, what's well, a good question? You know, I sit on a I sit on a working party with Welsh ministers and Welsh government um, and my colleagues at the Welsh Rugby Union and the Football Association of Wales and you know the Wales Cricket Board. So, you know, I'm working on that working party to get a professional sport back and elite sport back, um, and then we're looking at you know community sport. Um, and the situation is rapidly changing. You only have to look at you know, Spain, I think, and Italy and uh, Serbia and, and France, how you know, quickly the, the virus is dying away and how people are getting back to normality. So 
I think we're looking at sometime in September for our community game. Obviously, Super League starts back up um, on the first weekend of, of August, which is brilliant for all of us. And I think there's still a question to be taken by the RFL in terms of Championship and League One. Right, right. Um, can you can you tell the viewers and listeners a little bit about the challenges you face? I guess financially. I mean, I've done um, some uh, stories with Brian uh, Juliff in the past where he's outlined how small the funding is from the RFL and, and, and all that sort of stuff. Where where are the opportunities, Gareth, to make to make up the difference and to generate some more revenue? Where how how tough is it, and, and where are you looking to try to sort of bring in bring in more money? So I think I, th- I think probably in the past, um, you know, Wales Rugby League have been very focused on their men's international side. Um, you know, my personal view is that's perhaps a little bit of a, a narrow vision. I think one of the things that you know I, I've worked with Sport Wales in the past, and you know what I'm keen to do is is to build on um, being inclusive as a sport. And I think that so you know we we launched last year an international women's pathway. Um, as I say, now we've the foundation to that is, is, is club size for women for, and for girls. Uh, and we're building with our wheelchair teams. So we're hopefully going to have you know, four new wheelchair teams, in community wheelchair teams in South Wales and potentially two more in, in North Wales. And also uh, physical disability rugby league and learning disability rugby league. So when I sit down in front of Sport Wales and Welsh Government and I tell them all about all the things that we're doing, they take a, they lean backwards in their chair because as a sport, rugby league is the most accessible sport to the community. We we provide sport for everybody from juniors to masters. Masters is something else that we're doing. So, so from a, a funding point of view, you know, I'm confident in difficult circumstances, it's going to be difficult for everybody in terms of trying to get sponsorship money and funding because government obviously are trying to redirect that money into health services and that sort of thing. But I think that I think that they accept Sport Wales and Welsh Government accept that as a sport we need more support financially because we are providing more sport for the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm confident going into next year that actually where some of the sports will be having a decrease in funding, you know, we'll be pushing very hard and, and you know, what's been you know, um, shared with us is that is that we continue doing what we're doing and providing sport for all, we should get more money going into the future, which is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. If I could go back to the men's team for a second, the national team, what games are you going to be playing before the World Cup? What, what uh, I mean, will you get to uh, play this year or is that already a write-off? Uh, and, and next year, um, will, you know, will you have warm-up matches? I mean, how many matches can you expect to have before the World Cup? Um, so... Uh, well, I'm actually on a call tonight with all of uh, my colleagues from um, the RLEF, all, all, all my colleagues in, in Europe. First question we've got to decide on is where we are with uh, the Europe A competition. Um, you know, I think it's obvious with uh, the challenges that, that COVID have brought um, in terms of travel, safety for staff, safety for players, um, Quarantine, you know, the, the requirements of testing and, and uh, sanitizing are, are, are absolutely immense. And, and not to mention that, you know, we have to ensure our players to travel um, to Europe and we have to indemnify our staff because of coronavirus. And so um, there are huge costs associated with that. So, first decision is what are we going to do about the Euros? And, you know, that decision is going to be taken in the next couple of days. You know, given the circumstances, it's unlikely to go ahead, in my opinion, but mm. that decision is still to be taken by uh, the RLEF. 
But once we have that decision, then we can look at what we're going to do. And, and if that is cancelled, then you know it's much easier for us to have bilateral agreements with perhaps England and Scotland because there's no international travel as such. We're on the UK mainland, um, so you know, looking at something like that. And we were due to play Jamaica um, at the end of this year. Uh, so again, that's something that we're potentially looking at. Um, and if that doesn't go ahead this year, we will definitely be playing uh, hopefully Jamaica next year um, as part of a, a celebration um, of diversity. Um, we're hopefully going to be playing for something like the Billy Boston Cup to celebrate all our black heritage players. And that would form part of what we're trying to do um, in terms of our preparation for, for the World Cup. Awesome, awesome. Now, I had to, I have to ask you about this one. Another new club that seems to have popped up in the last couple of weeks is the Cardiff Trojans. And, and there seems to be some friction there. Um, I guess most people would have just seen a couple of tweets or they don't know anything about it at all. Um, wh- what's the background to that, Gareth, the Cardiff Trojans? Uh, I, I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> you, you. You know, as you say, they popped up. Um, and as you'd expect us to do and expect me to do as a CEO of a national governing body, we reached out to them to see uh, how we could help them and to explain to them the process of how you start a uh, a rugby league club in Wales, you know, with with a, a special mention and you know, and a lot of focus on safeguarding and governance and all the other things that we have to do as a publicly funded body who work with Welsh government, and Sport Wales, um, and look, you know, at the end of the day, they they appear to be uh, anonymous. Uh, they still re- appear to be anonymous. So, um, you know, at the end of the day. Until they send us uh, a proper application, there's nothing that we can do about it. So, um, you know, that's where it's parked at the moment. They did say that they wanted to enter League One uh, in five years. So could they just go about that like Ottawa <laughs> or Toronto and just and just not go through you at all, just do their own thing and deal directly with the RFL? Or do they have to, do they have to come to your doorstep eventually? Um so, so all rugby that goes on in, in Wales has to be sanctioned by the governing body, Wales mm. Rugby League. Um, we now work far closer with the RFL than we have done for some time. Mark Levering, who is head of the community game in the, at the RFL and sits on their executive board, also sits on, on our board as well um, to make sure that our strategic plan dovetails with their strategic plan. You know, it, it makes sense that we're working together. We have cross-border competitions. We have two semi-pro clubs, so we're working much closer together. So the simple answer to your question is, the RFL are not going to do anything that is contrary to um, Wales Rugby League strategy. Right. So, that. so how does that apply to the Euro 13s then? Do they, do they eventually have to get RFL sanctioning in order to have a team in Birmingham, um, to have a team in, in, in Wales, to have, have a team in Edinburgh? They, are they going to have to go down that track eventually? Uh, well, the RFL, you know, are responsible for the competitions, and they're, they're responsible for sport in in England, and you know, Wales Rugby League are responsible for sport in Wales. Mm. Um, so, I, I'm not quite sure what approach they've taken. To be honest, you, uh, as I say, you know, uh, our club on the route rules are acting as as free agents, um, and, and until we have more information, that's where it's at. We we remain neutral. Yeah, yeah, but but you just said that all activity that happens in Wales has to be approved by Wales Rugby League. So at some point, you're going to have to approve a match in the Euro 13s, aren't you? You're going to have to approve that it takes place. No, Ronda Outlaws are playing all of their games away. Oh, right. Um, so, 
that that's not a consideration. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. There you go. So they're just going to go on tour. Sounds like a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. You know, as I said, no. So no, as I said, you know, I can remember when I was, you know, a, a younger man playing playing, you know, rugby and rugby union and rugby league. That yeah, they you know they're going to it's an opportunity for them, um, and they're just going to, as you say, they're going to go on tour, and, and it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. <laughs> Great. Okay, Gareth, I'll let you go in a minute. But what what can you say that your sort of ambitions are over the I mean, are you, oh, this is a good question to finish with. I think, what sort of targets do you set for the World Cup? Do, you know, what sort of what sort of uh, what's what's a successful World Cup for Wales? Well, um, you know, I'm the CEO, so uh, you know, John Keir's head of our performance in terms of our national team. So uh, we'll have some we'll sort of have some aspirations. I'll have some aspirations personally, you know, because I have close connections to our men's team. Um, I. We, the group that we're in, um, we're really excited about that. Um, mm-hmm. Playing Papua New Guinea and Port Moresby in 90 degrees is a tough ask, and we've done that, and I was there. <laughs> um, playing PNG in the UK on a cold cold night in, in October or November is a, it's a slightly different proposition. So, um, you know, I, I think that we, we feel we're going to be very competitive. We've got a great balance in our squad. You know, you, you play against Tonga, you know. All, all three games are going to be difficult. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Uh, you know, Papua New Guinea have some great players, and uh, Cook Islands have some great players, and Tonga. Well, you know, you arguably one of, the, one of the best, if not the best, side in the world at the moment. So, um, it's a tough game, um, mm. but it's going to be a great experience. And we know that everyone who puts a Welsh shirt on will be representing all three million people in Wales proudly. And whatever happens, uh, we'll be proud of their exploits. What a great way to finish. Thanks for your time, mate. I really appreciate it. There's a delay like, like I'm in Australia or you're, or you're in Antarctica or something. But anyway, we got through it. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on.